Miracy. You can't just throw a bunch of information or even ask people to take action without there being a clear link to their motivation and why they want to learn or do these things in the first place. And that's often missing from a lot of courses. They kind of take that for granted, but it shouldn't be taken for granted. Hello, and welcome to Course Lab, the show that teaches creators like you how to make better online courses. I'm Danny Eaney, the founder and CEO of Miracy, and I'm here with my co-host, Abe Crystal, the co-founder of Rizuku. Hey there, Danny. In each episode of Course Lab, we showcase a course and creator who is doing something really interesting, either with the architecture of their course or the business model behind it, or both. Today, we welcome Jonathan Levy onto the show. Jonathan is a best-selling author and the creator of Superhuman Academy. He's helped over 250,000 people in becoming super learners. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Pleasure to be here. So 30,000 feet, who are you? What do you do? How did you come to be doing it? Tell us the whole story. Ooh, that is a long story. And I recently heard a talk about being a good guest on podcast interviews. And they're like, don't talk for five minutes straight. So I'm going to try not to. But uh, I would classify myself as a serial entrepreneur and lifelong learner. Growing up, I was not a prolific learner. I was not a confident learner. And at a certain turning point in my life, I learned that I was a fantastic entrepreneur uh, because I didn't fit into other boxes that other people fit into. And then at a different point in my life, I discovered that learning is a skill that you can learn. And since then, I have learned my way into a lot of different businesses and opportunities and ideas from books to podcasts to YouTube channels on all kinds of topics from accelerated learning itself to the things that I've had the pleasure of learning, such as personal fitness, such as productivity, 3D printing, Bitcoin, anything that I'm passionate about learning, I love to learn and then teach, which your audience I'm sure will know is also one of the best ways to solidify your learning. I had hired two private tutors to help me with learning, memory, speed reading, and they were a couple that had done some work in Israel with students with learning disabilities. So the wife taught me a lot of memory techniques. The husband taught me a lot of speed reading techniques. And I had referred a ton of people to them throughout business school because people would say, hey, why did you leave the exam in the middle? And I'd be like, because I finished the exam in the middle. Or, you know, oh my gosh, we, we got home at 4 a.m. last night. I'm sure nobody read the case study. And I'm like, I read the case study. So people would ask me and I would refer to them. And at a certain point, they reached their kind of limit of how many clients they could take on. And I approached them and said, hey, what if I took your materials and built upon it with all the things that I've learned in the last year, researching and taking an interest in learning and memory? And we partnered and I created an online course. So I launched that first online course in 2013. By the second month, I mean, I applied what I teach. So I learned everything I could about creating online courses and video editing and the million other things you need to know to launch an online course. And by the second month, it, it was paying two and a half times my rent. By the fourth month, it was paying five times my rent. And it just uh, kind of took off from there. So in what ways, because you've been doing courses for going on like eight years now, in what ways have your courses stayed consistent with the template of the first thing you ever created? And in what ways have you changed, evolved, adapted either because you've learned more or because the environment has changed and you've responded to it? Yeah, that is a phenomenal question. 
So I think one thing that I did very, very well in the beginning is I kind of realized, and I don't know how I happened upon this, but I kind of realized that the magic in an online course was not the nuggets of information. It was how they were presented. And later when I would think about this and I would coach and I would take on clients and help them with their online courses, I, I put language around this feeling and idea and I call it a curated learning journey. And the idea is that anyone can learn anything for free on YouTube or podcasts like this one or, you know, all the millions of free Kindle books, all the information is there. And essentially what people are paying for is the curated experience of what to do in what order and make sure that it all works together with all the other things that they taught and take all the guesswork out of the learning. I always like to joke, if you want to figure out how to make a uh, you know, an ICBM, I'm pretty sure you could figure it out on YouTube. Like all the information is out there and it's free. So what I always tell people is when you're selling an online course, what you're selling is the experience, the curation, and the journey that is going to lead people to the outcome with a high probability of success. And I think I figured that out really, really uh, early on. And I just doubled down on that time and time again. My courses, I don't write a single word until I have an outline from top to bottom. And I go through that outline and I feel, you know, how am I going to feel at each chapter after someone has learned X? What are the questions in their mind? And can I answer those questions before they have the opportunity to get frustrated? What has changed? Obviously, video production quality changed a lot over the years from the, I put a towel over my MacBook Pro for my first, uh, you know, uh, video. So there would be less echo. And I use the MacBook Pro itself for the webcam and the microphone. It was awful. I, I taped a bag onto a desk lamp for my light and light box. So that all changed a lot. And I think what changed a lot as well was the resources. So having PDFs. As I learned more about learning, I realized having a lot of hands-on was very, very important. Tons of PDFs, tons of supplemental reading, tons of, we even built out an entire game server where people can log their scores, check their reading speed, check their memory, test challenge themselves. So a lot of interactivity built into the programs. What were some of the key things that you learned about learning that inform your thinking about online courses that in your surveying of the market, it's like most people don't seem to understand this. Yeah, that's a really great question, Denny. So one of the things that I happened upon pretty early on as I took an interest in learning after doing the, the program with these two mentors is I discovered this guy by the name of Malcolm Knowles and no one talks about him because he didn't have a PhD and he, you know, I don't know why people don't talk about him, but he came up with these five principles of what he called andragogy, not androgyny, andragogy, the science of adult learning. And I think he was like the director of a YMCA to give you context of, you know, you find genius things in, in all sorts of places. And he talked a lot about the science of how the adult brain learns differently than the child's brain. And one of the most important, if not the most important thing that I took away from that is that adults need to know why, right? It's the Simon Sinek thing, start with why. But in this case, it's not about leadership. It's about motivating yourself to learn. Adults need to know why. They also need to know how this fits into the rest of their worldview. So you need to connect it back to their existing knowledge. They need to know practical applications. So the why cannot be for an adult, hey, this is gonna make you a more rounded person. Hey, this might come in use one day. They need actual practical applications. So from the beginning, I put that into my courses. Even if the why is, 
hey, there's going to be a quiz at the end of this section, and you can't move on in this course unless you pass that quiz. So you really need to pay attention here. But ideally, I go with the why every single one of my courses, before you can even take the lectures, I have you do a free writing exercise, which says, for example, in my productivity course, why do you want to be more productive? What is that going to actually do for you? So that's a big one for me. Can you talk more about how did you actually apply those principles? So can maybe give us some sort of case studies or examples of how you put those into into practice? Absolutely. Yeah. So in my courses, I always try to get people applying as quickly as possible and applying in ways that are meaningful to them, right? So as I mentioned, we built a an interactive game server, but I tell people this is a, a an exercise of last resort. What I'd rather you do is find something that matters to you because not everyone, you know, we've all seen the TED Talk, I think by Joshua Forer, where he has you memorize his TED Talk without you even knowing it. And we've, many of us re- read his book where he has you memorize his grocery list without you even knowing it. And that might not be relevant to you. So I try to tell people, hey, I want you to pick things that are gonna be powerful and relevant to you. For entrepreneurs, it might be, hey, I want you to memorize all the different names of all the kids of all your employees. And for others, it may be the grocery list. And for others, it may be memorizing, you know, your your kids' social security numbers if you don't have them memorized. So finding that in, and actually baking that into the course that you need to take what you learned, but apply it to things that matter to you because that's gonna trigger that immediate and pressing need and personal relevance that Knowles talks about. So if you, you know, find yourself in a lot of social situations, learn how to memorize a deck of cards, it's not hard. If you uh, are single, learn how to memorize a phone number and, you know, play this gag of like, hey, give me your phone number, I promise I won't write it down, but if I remember it, then I'm gonna call you and we're gonna go on a date. Find whatever it is that's gonna be interesting, engaging, and most importantly, valuable to your day-to-day life and apply it to that. Jonathan, I want to shift gears for a second and talk about the business side of things. So I know that early on you built these courses that you put on the Udemy platform and you were featured very prominently there and you made a ton of money selling courses that were very inexpensive. And the algorithms have changed and so you're not able to make that work in the same way anymore. Talk about that journey. Talk about what was what was the reality then? What has it changed to now? And how has it informed the way you think about pricing and marketing courses? Yeah, so um, I did very, very well on Udemy for many years. Um, and I think it's a, there's a trade-off there, right? Because when I was solely devoted on Udemy, there's a trade-off, but also it's become more crowded. When I was solely devoted on Udemy, I continued to do well. But as soon as you shift your efforts elsewhere, whether that's a podcast or a book or a premium course, you're letting your foot off the gas. So I think there are probably people who are still doing very, very well on Udemy, and there is a case for that. But if you want to do more and you want to have a brand, not just a a very small corner of a very large platform, and that can mean anything, right? That can mean a mailing list. That can mean a YouTube channel. It's very hard to make it work as anything more than just lead gen and brand awareness today. And they've made it progressively harder, largely in part thanks to me breaking rules that didn't yet exist and them creating rules because of me. They've made it very, very hard to move people off platform, even if it's for, hey, I have a podcast, check out my podcast. So it's still doable. And I think Udemy is a great place to build your audience if you're going to do a YouTube or a podcast and you want to be able to shift weight from A to B. And I 
I used to joke, you know, I had 350,000 students on Udemy. When I create a podcast, there's no way that podcast is not getting to new and noteworthy for six weeks straight because I'll just send the messages saying, hey, there's a free podcast. Same with YouTube channel, same with uh, anything that's unpaid. But then when you want to launch a premium course, it's a grind from the get-go. So I think there's a case for it. And at the same time, it's become so much more crowded. And as you said, algorithms change. Today, I find, I feel strange telling you this, Danny, because you're the authority that I listen to on pricing and courses and everything. I just found that at least with paid traffic, I couldn't make things worth work for less than $500. It just didn't happen. And I wanted, I would be happy to sell my course for $500, you know, given the amount of effort that I put into a next level course. But just because of the economics of how Facebook works, I couldn't bring in a customer for less than that. So I think on the other side of things, if you're not going to have a platform that is going to push you to the relevant customer, you better have another way of getting really, really targeted and affordable leads. And I think you all have done a really, really good job with just the partnerships and affiliates. It's incredibly hard. In 2017, I had a funnel, a webinar funnel, which would take $1 and convert that dollar into $3 within 90 minutes. That's a phenomenal funnel. I mean, I would put $1 into ads and $3 would come out. And then Cambridge Analytica happened and Facebook cut off all of the lookalike audience at the knees. It became much less effective. I used to be able to say, hey, here's 100 people who bought my course and they'd give me 1,000 people who were psychographically exactly like them. That changed in 2017, at least for me. And we hired marketing agency after marketing agency to try and chase that dragon. And I was never able to make it worth the while at $500 and even at $1,000, I was still putting in a dollar and bringing out a dollar 20, which after you pay staff and yourself and all these other expenses is really not, it's not all that good at all. So yeah, just, this is just a fun speculation, but if you were starting a brand new online course initiative today, given all these changes in the marketplace and Udemy and Facebook, where would you start? Where, where would you look to, to build a business and to get customers for a course today? Well, I'll tell you what, eight weeks ago, I probably would have told you affiliates, but I recently had an incredible experience on YouTube. I started a 3D printing channel, just as you know, I imagine a lot of your audience is further back in the process than I was with Superhuman. So I think this is more relevant, if anything. I started a 3D printing channel. I had zero followers and I did not use my existing audience whatsoever. I mean, I had nothing except, you know, it takes 10 years to become an overnight success. I have eight years experience in producing super high quality video content. And I also know a couple good video editors that are willing to moonlight for me when they're not doing Superhuman Academy stuff. That was it. And that's not wildly expensive. And in eight weeks, I'm already at 9,000 subscribers. Average video is getting 70 to 80K views. Revenue is pouring in already. And people are, I don't have a website set up, but people are like checking out my personal website and sending donations and emailing me. And so I have to think that if I were starting out today, it may not be YouTube. Maybe it would be TikTok if I were a different generation. Maybe it would be Twitter. But I have to think that I would start out with just doing super high quality organic content, even if it's on Medium, even if it's, you know, another platform that I don't control. But just based on that experience, you know, if you had told me that I'd have an, a super engaged audience of 9,000 people and 
250,000 people watching my content in a given month. Two months in, I mean, it took me years to get to the point where I could access 250,000 people on Udemy, like, like five or six years. My mailing list is still not at 250,000 people and none of my socials are at 250,000 people. So I think I might start there. Nice. That was fantastic. Thank you. My pleasure. I don't have more questions. I mean, we could keep talking about this for a very, very long time, as we have (laughs) on many occasions. But I mean, for purposes of this conversation, I'm really happy with what we've got. That's great. Thank you. Jonathan Levy is the best-selling author and entrepreneur behind Superhuman Academy. To learn more about him and how to unlock your own super learner abilities, head on over to superhumanacademy.com. That's superhumanacademy.com. Now stick around for my favorite part of the show, where Abe and I will pull out the best takeaways for you to apply to your course. Abe, what jumped out to you? Well, certainly one big you know, aspect of, of Jonathan's success that he shared was his focus on uh, andragogy or, or the science or, or methodology of adult learning. And, you know, that's something that, that sometimes I think gets overlooked, right? You know, a lot of times we have these kind of paradigms or conceptions of how people learn that are shaped either just by educational experiences, whether that's, you know, high school, college, graduate school, or, you know, just kind of like stereotypes or cultural impressions about how people learn. Um, And a lot of times those are pretty inaccurate and there are like better models um, to follow, um, but they're just a bit under the radar. (laughs) Not totally sure why that is, but we do our best to bring them to people's attention here. Um, And some of the principles are they're commonsensical in a way, but but easily overlooked. You know, one that Jonathan mentioned is just, it's really important to have a focus on motivation, right? You can't just throw a bunch of information or even ask people to take action without there being a clear link to their motivation and why they want to learn or do these things in the first place. And that's, that's often missing from um, a lot of courses. They kind of take that for granted, but it shouldn't be taken for granted. It's always interesting to look at because the vast majority of almost everyone's educational experience, you know, if you look at elementary school, high school, a lot of college would fall into this bucket, training in a corporate context. You're there because you have to be, right? You don't have much of a choice. It's coercive in that way. And so this most fundamental thing of help people understand why they should want to be there and engage in the practice is not required. People talk about this a lot as like a thing about, you know, andragogy. This is how adults learn. And it, it, all, it always kind of makes me smile because I'm like, kids learn that way too. It's just that you can, you know, force kids because they have to sit in the class and you can punish them if they're not paying attention. But it's not optimal for, for kids either. So, yeah, I mean, just recognizing that your learner is a self-directed adult or self-directed individual who can choose where they want to direct their attention. You have to give them a reason to put it where you're inviting them to put it. It goes a very, very long way. And then, of course, I like the specific applications that Jonathan talked about, particularly when it comes to making the learning and training as hands-on as possible, giving them PDFs, giving them worksheets, giving them simulation vehicles, giving them exercises to do in real life that are ideally relevant to them, but allowing them to not just learn about something, but to actually try it on 
and experience it in a very tactile and interactive way it goes a very long way. Well, the, the way he framed it that I thought was helpful and hopefully it's relatively easy for people to remember and apply is this idea of thinking about it's almost like you're marketing within your course, right? So in the same way that you strive to make your course marketing focused on benefits rather than features and make sure you're speaking the language of your potential customer, you can apply that same approach and, and frame within your course as well. You can essentially market your course materials to your students. And if, if you think about it that way, it can really lead you to create something more engaging. Yep, absolutely. Did you have any commentary on his points at the end about kind of getting customers and what the landscape looks like today? Well, I thought it was a good kind of recap of the evolution of the marketplace. I mean, Udemy was great and probably still is great for the people who hit it big there. It's much more a a long tail distribution where you're highly unlikely to be one of the people who do hit it big there. Um, And so you're looking at low volume multiplied by low dollars. So it adds up to just very little. Um, Back in the day, Jonathan was on the platform very early and there was probably some element of luck. You know, he, he got a tremendous amount of exposure and that was wonderful. I just don't think those platforms generally work well for, for experts who are not bringing a number of unfair advantages to the table. We have to distribute the courses ourselves because we have to have the freedom and flexibility to charge a premium that is justified and to put on the table an experience that justifies the premium. That's just what tends to work these days. Mm-hmm. Cool. Thank you for listening to Course Lab. I'm Abe Crystal, co-founder and CEO of Riziku, here with Danny Eni, founder and CEO of Mercy. Course Lab is part of the Miracy FM podcast network, which also includes such shows as Soul Savvy Business and Making It. This episode of Course Lab was produced by Cynthia Lamb. Jeff Govertson assembled the episode. Danny Eni is our executive producer, post-production by Post Office Sound. And another thanks to Jonathan for coming onto the show today and talking us through his Superhuman Academy. To find out more about him and his program, you can head on over to superhumanacademy.com. And to make sure you don't miss the excellent episodes coming up on Course Lab, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you enjoy the show, go ahead and leave us a starred review. It really does make a difference. Thank you, and we'll see you next time. Today, we welcome Jonathan Levy onto the show. Today, we welcome Jonathan Levy onto the show. Today, we welcome Jonathan Levy onto the show. All right, are you ready? Wait, what's my cue? It's a behind the scenes kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, and welcome to Just Between Coaches, the podcast that tackles difficult coaching conversations head on. I'm Melinda Cohen and your host for this show. I also know that I'm listening when, again, my mind is relaxed. So I can almost sense that I'm listening on multiple levels. That's a great framing. That's a, that's a really great way to think about it. Um, I think so, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, because I think that something that is very dangerous is for people to think that being a great coach comes from having the credentials. One has nothing to do with the other. So again, part of it is just, you know, either through questions or asking what they've tried, or sometimes it's, you know, the forest for the trees thing. My favorite part of having the hard conversation is... 
Ooh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, so while I love what's on the other side, I think navigating through that conversation is my favorite part. Yeah, because we're not there necessarily as coaches to provide solutions. We're there to guide our people towards solutions. And I don't know if it's, you know, societal pressure or peer pressure, but we don't want to look like we don't know what we're doing. I want to help and support coaches so that they can evolve into their greatness. My desire for the show is if I could scoop up all of the coaches and bring them into my living room and bring up the topics that leave crinkles in our forehead so that we can fully understand what it means to show up in our greatness fully confident so that we can build better businesses, so that we can be better coaches, so that we can make a lasting impact on this world collectively. And we want to rise to that level. That being said, you do want to set yourself up and your clients up for success by making sure that there is clarity around their expectations and your expectations as to how you can help them. People have to know a little bit about what you offer. Otherwise, how do they know that they need what you can help them with in terms of that transformation? And I love having the conversations and navigating the topics that keep us at the forefront in a time with what I call the results revolution. Yeah, well, first of all, I just want to start by saying that this is a really good problem to have, right? So if you have someone who's resisting your price, it means they're really interested in working with you. The thing is, sometimes it becomes negative. It becomes toxic. I've been in the coaching industry for almost 20 years now. And over these years, I have seen everything behind the scenes in our industry, everything that works, everything that doesn't work. I've seen the evolution of our industry and of what it means to be a coach. I just want to say to all the coaches out there, you know, matching who you are to the kind of coach that you want to be is just a practice. Do you want to add some parting words? No, I think you did great. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. This is Melinda Cohen, and you've been listening to Just Between Coaches. You'll find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah, this is absolutely the tone, the feel, the everything. Okay, so I'm going to stop the recording now. <laughs> Why are you stopping the recording? <laughs> this is going to be fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's a wrap. That is going to be an amazing session.